And here we go. We are starting a new series, No Turning Back. And this uh, series uh, is about, you know, different forms of baptism that we read in the Word of God. Uh, baptism, this, this word that meaning uh, to be immersed into. And uh, we're going to look at uh, three areas of baptism over the next three weeks. Baptism into water, baptism into the church, and baptism in the Holy Spirit. So it's going to be wonderful as we study the Word of God into these things. And there's one thing about life. When we think about baptism, it's like kind of all in it's kind of like 100% it's like commitment to the thing and uh, and that's the way the Christian life is meant to be lived we're actually meant to be living the Christian life like all in like yep I'm a follower of Jesus Christ not just on the Sunday not just you know certain in certain circles but I'm all in all the time and uh, and uh, that is the greatest way to live and we're going to study into some of these and uh, today we're going to look at water baptism and uh, there are many, uh, you know, uh, rituals, procedures, traditions that uh, we are involved in in life. There's some of them, uh, you know, that, we, that happen all the time, whether it's through, you know, marriage ceremony, ceremonies within the life of the church, all these things. And sometimes it's like, well, which ones are kind of mean something? Which one's available? Which ones should I be doing? Should I not be doing? Uh, we had a situation uh, just over a week ago uh, where my my children's school, my two eldest are in primary school and we love the school they're in. It's a great school, but they do something every year and this is the sixth year that we've uh, been invited to this and it's called their school dedication service. And they happen to put this dedication service on a Friday night. So uh, two Fridays ago, uh, Natalie was away and this has happened a couple of times. She's been away when the dedication service has been on and I've had to take my schools to my uh, kids to a service on a Friday night and there's a little bit of struggle within me about you know having to get them in their school uniform on a Friday evening and take them to a service and uh, but anyway it is compulsory uh, for the uh, for the kids to go to this thing so Friday night two weeks ago we got ready in school uniforms on a Friday night and we drove up Victoria Road to ride to this dedication service. Uh, Adele was singing that night so the traffic was heavy and uh, then we got near the, the church that we uh, that it was being conducted in and uh, there was like must have been like three or four hundred school uh, parents looking for car spots and it was like mayhem and I drove around and considered every illegal park that I possibly could to get away with and in the end I decided against it. I did even consider a a, a disabled parking spot, but no, I'm a good Christian, and uh, I didn't take that one up, and uh, finally I had to go down to uh, Top Ride Shopping Centre, and if you've ever been in that car park, it's the world's biggest maze, and I thought I was down one end of the car park, uh, near where I had to get to, but I was at the other end, and finally uh, we ran up the road to get my kids there. They may have been a minute or two late, and uh, they ran down to where their uh, classes were sitting at the front of this big auditorium, and I sat with four-year-old Cleo right up the back, not even beyond the last seat. I found a table at the back, and as I sat down there and the beautiful service started, I turned to my four-year-old and I said, would you like Daddy to take you shopping? She said the right answer, and it was a yes, and that was my excuse to miss the dedication service. The problem was that um, I thought my kids had said it goes for two hours, and I was that just made it even like more of a journey and a, a struggle. And uh, and then I looked up something on the new school app, and it said it finished at 8:30. So I thought if I get back at about 20 past eight, should be right. No, no, I wasn't there. 
Four minutes past eight, the phone goes off. No caller ID, and I answer the phone call. Hi, Mr. Taylor, this is Jesse's teacher. We're all finished up here. Would you like to come and collect your child? I'm like, busted. Anyway, the dedication service. But water baptism, it's more than a ritual. It's more than a religious exercise. It's a very important public public declaration of an inner faith that we want to proclaim. It's very important. And uh, it's something that I think is really worth focusing on here in church this morning. And this may be something that at the end of today you haven't actually done, a water baptism by full immersion, and then maybe you today say, I'm doing it next week, and you come to the Next Step Bar and you sign up. That might be you today, but you might have had water baptism uh, occur in your life before. But I want us to be encouraged today about uh, doing even a better job at outworking the effects of the water baptism. We're going to look at some things here that I think I found really encouraging for my life and I'm uh, hoping that that'll be the same for all of us here, that we will really see the importance and how well we can do life if we live out uh, the true effects of our water baptism. Now, the word baptism uh, is an anglicised word, which means that when the Greek was getting converted uh, into English, it was a word they wanted to try to maintain as best they could. Uh, from one language translation to another. And uh, when King James I of England, who was uh, head of the Church of England, had commissioned the translation of the Bible from Greek to English, he wanted this word to be kept because it has this meaning to cover wholly with a fluid to make fully wet. Thus, in the early church, it was always by full immersion baptism. Now, there's been some, some denominations that have just done it in their own way. And here today, we just want to uh, look into water baptism and let you know that at C3 Church, we like to do it by the full dunking. If you haven't been here in a water baptism service before, we actually have a little uh, baptism uh, pool pretty much under that flooring and that'll be open next Sunday morning as we come and we give people an opportunity to take this this great step of faith this wonderful step but uh, you know it's an important thing to do in our Christian life and uh, although we, we we read about it in the start of the New Testament this this whole thing of baptism comes up there's actually uh, there's actually uh, things in the Old Testament that are pointing towards the New Testament about what its meaning is. I mean, there's deliverances in the Old Testament from the old to the new. I think about the great flood, the great flood that we read about in Genesis 7. This is what it says in 1 Peter 3, 20 and 21. To those who were disobedient long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah, while the ark was being built, in it only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also goes on to say not just about the dirt off the outside but it's this inward thing so here we have in scriptures talking about these these occasions in the old testament we read about it also about the crossing of the red sea and uh, in corinthians it talks about again this this symbol of baptism again it's going from the the old to the new and it's the core theme of water baptism is from old to new and then we see those images there. In the Old Testament, we also start to get an understanding of, of what water is. It's a, it's a cleansing agent. 
and uh, we, we read about in the tabernacle of Moses that there was this, this laven where the priests would come up and, and uh, after they'd been past one altar where they'd often bring a burnt sacrifice, they'd come and they would use that water in there for a cleansing. It's a cleansing that happens. We know that uh, the story of Naaman in 2 Kings 5, he was a, a famous warrior who had leprosy. And leprosy in the Old Testament is uh, in reference to, to sin. And he had this terrible disease. And then he got a great referral to say, you've got to go and see Elisha. There's, there's miracles happening through this prophet, through this mighty man of God. And we, we read about him that he goes to Elisha. And Elisha says, yeah, go to the River Jordan and dip yourself or pretty much be baptized. Like seven times go under the water. And he does that. And what happens? He's miraculously healed. So we see how this water has this, this cleansing, and then we, we skip into the New Testament. And in all the Gospels, we read about John the Baptist. And John the Baptist is out in the desert, and he's preaching a message of repentance to the Israelites. Those wanting to act on the calling, he calls them to make a public confession of leaving sin and turning to righteousness. And it's done through this baptism, fully immersed in the water, in the River Jordan, an outward expression of an inward change of heart. And whilst John is doing this and having this move of God, who shows up? None other than Jesus himself. And Jesus goes to say, hey, I need to do this too. Now, John rightfully is kind of like, oh, hold on, this is kind of around the wrong way, isn't it? Like, I'm kind of preparing the way for you and... Jesus says, no, I need to do this. And I think about that great sign like Jesus so often did. He, he led the way. He showed us the way, didn't he? And he often did that through scriptures, showing us. And we know that scripturally it says that he had to do it to fulfill all righteousness. It's an act that he wanted to do. And he did do it. And he gets baptized. It says in 1 Peter 2, 21, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps, talking about Jesus. And it's interesting, as soon as he does this, that's kind of like Jesus then steps into ministry. He then goes into the desert for the 40 days, and then he starts his, his ministry life. But this water baptism, a great symbol that he took before he went into it. So water baptism, it is obedience. The last commission, which I always take and read with oh, just... So much like, wow, like, you know, what would I say to people if I was knowing that my days on earth were ending, if I was writing some notes or saying some final words, they would, they would bear great weight. They would have been well thought out. They would, they would try to communicate something that I knew was important. And we know that, that Jesus says, go there, therefore, make disciples of all, na uh, all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He's again showing us this way of, of baptism for people in this last commission. In Mark, we read, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. There's this connection for salvation and baptism that go hand in hand, that need to occur, that should occur. Now, I received Jesus when I was a young man at the age of 12. And the beautiful church that I grew up in, and I loved my church, but its expression of water baptism just didn't quite feel right to me. And uh, the day came at the age of 24 that I thought, I want to be baptized by full immersion. So I picked a really hard spot to do at the ocean. 
and uh, and I got baptized and uh, such a wonderful moment uh, in my life of, of me taking that opportunity to make the public declaration of saying, yes, I truly am a follower of Jesus Christ. Yes, I make him my Lord. And of course, I did it in the front of people. I did it in front of family and friends. And maybe uh, you're here today and you're like, yeah, I'm going to make that step next week. If you do that, can I encourage you to, to not just keep it in the, the world of the church, but go and invite Invite your family, invite your friends, invite people from work and say, I'm putting up a, I'm, I'm making a decision for a significant uh, milestone in my life and I would like to invite you. Come to my church, come and watch me take this step. We do it and we do it publicly. So we make that decision. We make it that it's the next step. We go and let's be proud of it because we're not ashamed of the gospel it is the power of God that brings salvation. Let's be proud of who we are as followers of Jesus Christ. The world, the enemy, he would love to silence us this in this world. And that we lived a Christianity that was loud on a Sunday but quiet the rest of the week. Let's be loud on a Sunday, but let's be loud all through the week. That we are proud followers of Jesus Christ. That we know in our heart of hearts, He is the way, the truth, and the life. That we know that and we carry that and we do it with great pride. And I think water baptism is one of those great moments in life where we just say, yes, I am in and I am all in. I am all in. And of course, we do that as a public thing. The 20th of January 2001, I did something quite public. I took a woman to be my wife. I declared before God, before family and friends that I would honor her and I would love her, that I would stand with her through thick and thin to death do us part. I made a public declaration on that day. Great decision, hey. Yes, and everyone said, that's right, Pastor. Great decision. But I did it publicly. I did it before others. It was, it was saying she was going to be mine. I am hers. We are, we are coming together. But we did it in a public setting before others. And water baptism truly is saying, Jesus, you are number one. You have that place in my life. And the word says, if we will acknowledge him before others, he will acknowledge us or he will confess us. Look at this beautiful scripture, Matthew 10, 32 and 33. Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. I love my dad. Growing up, my father had these mighty sideburns that I don't even know what you call it because the sideburns went from sideburns and connected into the moustache. Has it got a word? Is there any terminology? Like the whole way down, and he was loud and proud about this thing. Yeah. Pork chops. Oh, there we go. Anyway, my dad was loud and proud. They were bushy and they were grey. They were glorious in his mind. And there was a certain day where I was at a rugby union carnival and one of the things that I did when I was playing rugby as a small boy and into my teenage years and I was representing uh, this club is I would collect rugby pins. 
So you could actually go around to certain clubs and they'd have rugby pins. So I started a collection of these and then when I would go to these representative uh, uh, kind, of, uh, kind of weekends away where you'd go and you'd have a tournament, there was other kids that were doing the same thing and you'd go up and you'd, you'd do some trading. So I'd get these rugby pins and go up to complete strangers and see what they've got and you might have doubles of something or you've bought an extra one and you'd swap. And So I started collecting all these rugby pins. I've got one Parramatta rugby and I used to play for the Ringer Rats, uh, Sydney side, and I had a Queensland one. And I had all these rugby pins, and there was this day where I was standing next to two complete strangers, and we were starting to discuss a trade. So I have my pins, you know, in this little container. We're, we're doing these this early discussions of a trade. And all of a sudden, one of the guys kind of knobs the guy next to him, and he goes, check out the sideburns on that granddad. And I'm like... What are they talking about? I look around. It's my dad walking my way. Can I tell you in that moment, I made a beeline. I was out of there quick and fast. I'm like, I'm just out of here. And I'm just like, it was my dad. But there they were. And they, they didn't just say on that man. They called him a granddad. He was my dad. These big, anyway, in that moment, unfortunately, I denied my father and I beelined for another part of the Rugby Union Oval. I was out of there. Oh, I might call him later today and ask for forgiveness. But I just love that this word says, if we confess him before men, he will also confess before my father who is in heaven. And as I studied this word, confess... Homologeo is the original in this word. And as it was broken down and I looked at it, I was, I was really inspired by it because the first part of that word is talking about a togetherness. And then the second part of this word is talking about a word uttered, what someone has said, a decree, a mandate, an order, what is declared. And there's even some meanings that have a covenant, an acknowledgement within that. And I thought... This is incredible. That as I confess to Jesus that he's my Lord, it's not like I'm like, oh, Jesus, you're awesome, you're awesome. And he's just like kind of blinded to me. But he's there like going, yeah, this is awesome. It's you to me, but it's, it's me to you. There's this, this covenant, there's this connection, there's this acknowledgement that you are his an acknowledgement that all of us can have as, as we make statements of confession that Jesus Christ is our Lord, that there's this attachment between us and Jesus Christ. He is God who walked this earth, and it is He that He says, not only are you mine, but I'm yours. There's this connection, there's this attachment that we get to have with Jesus Christ as we acknowledge Him. Because the Bible says, for there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Oh, this is good news. Oh, I love this news. I love that he would see me in that light. It's like, I'm with you, Hartley. As you confess me, I'm confessing you to my Father. He's one of ours. He's one of mine. He declares that I'm his Lord. And I love that. I love the thought about that, that that's what he's doing to God in heaven. 
And I don't know about you, but that makes me feel loved. That makes me feel valued. That makes me feel cared for. That makes me feel like I'm in good hands, that I can be confident of who I know has my back. Jesus Christ confessing to God that I am His, that I'm passed into ownership because every time a water baptism occurs here, what do we say? We say we baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. In the name of, in the name of, that means I've been passed into ownership. You're passed into ownership with the Lord. You're passed into ownership in that moment. How beautiful that Jesus would then have me like that. I love that. Max Licardo, he's a famous Christian author, says this, Indeed, baptism is a vow and a sacred vow of the believer to follow Christ. Just as a wedding celebrates the fusion of two hearts, baptism celebrates the union of sinner with Saviour. Come on, let's give the Lord a round of applause for that. A union of sinner with Saviour. Oh, to think He will never leave us, He will never forsake us. What a beautiful thing. And baptism is dying to the old life. We no longer hold on to how we used to do things. We move into a new day. We knew into a new season. It's not about living this old life anymore. It's like, it's like a, a line in the sand and you step over that line. You say, it's a new day. I live a new way of life. I'm a new creation. Like it says in 2 Corinthians 5:17, the old is gone and the new has come. It is a new day. It's a new way of living. It's a new life. And baptism is this. Water baptism is this symbolizing of this, this cleansing, the old life being removed, replacing with new life. Uh, Mark Kelsey, uh, one of our, he's our C3 Global pastor, says this, the sin nature dying is not just a theological experience, but a reality. There's a reality that that sin life goes. And for some of us, things we overcame in that very moment. For others, if it's out of that water, we start moving towards overcoming these things. But it is powerful. It is something we can stand on. Man, if you haven't been water baptized, I can't encourage you more than to say, in seven days' time, I will take this step. I will take this step to be baptized, full immersion, and come up into this beautiful new day, into this beautiful new life. Because being submerged in the water represents death to sin, and emerging represents the cleansed, holy life that follows salvation. And I don't know, but I just love this, because in everyday life, and I'll get the band to come now. In everyday life, you might sometimes be feeling like there's just this pull on doing the wrong thing at times because the pull for that sometimes can be strong. But I just love that you can stand in that new day, that new day life and saying, that's, that's once how I did life. There was a time where I would have fought. There was a time I would have given in. There was a time I wouldn't have been able to resist the temptation. But I love that through salvation and then baptism that we can know that we are in, in a new day. You know, because just about every time there's an opportunity to sin, there's always a moment, isn't there? There's a moment. Do I look at that again? Do I click that? Do I let those words come out of my mouth? There's, there's, there's always that little, that little moment where we get to decide, 
And what I'd love for all of us to do is just be good at in that moment going, nah, I live a new way of life. That might have been my old nature, but I've got a new nature. The old is gone and the new has come. I do things Christ's way. I do things the way he wants me to do it. And we're not ever going to be perfect, but I tell you what, if you stand on the truths of the word of God, you can be so much better than how you used to live life. More grace in your life, more love in your life, more patience in your life. Your, your life will just be filled with these wonderful good things that we have through Christ because it is rising to this new life. And I love that because the world is broken and sinful. And we can just know when we come out of those waters, we come full of hope. We come out full of this beautiful grace. And just to always think the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is at work in you. That same power for you to rise up and live life well and do life well and follow how Christ would want you to follow. That is good news, isn't it? We can stand on that. We can believe on that. That can be just a great place to launch your life into so you can be fruitful in life, fruitful in what you're called to do. Don't we want to live that life? But we need to just be reminded of just the power of some of these things we do in life. And our salvation obviously has all that power. And then moving into water baptism has that power of the old is gone and the new has come. And we're raised to a beautiful new life. What I'd love for us to do right now, could we all stand? I'm going to read. I'm going to read a passage of Scripture out over us now. It comes from Romans 6, and I'm going to read it out of the message version. As I read this over a few times, it just seemed to carry such a touch on it and such an anointing on it. So as we draw to a close here today, I want to read it over us. So what do we do? Keep on sinning so God can keep on forgiving? I should hope not. If we've left the country where sin is sovereign, how can we still live in our old house there? Or didn't you realise we packed up and left there for good? That is what happened in baptism. When we went under the water, we left the old country of sin behind. And when we came up out of the water, we entered into the new country of grace. A new life in a new land. That's what baptism into the life of Jesus means. When we are lowered into the water, it is like the burial of Jesus. When we are raised up out of the water, it is like the resurrection of Jesus. Each of us is raised into a light-filled world by our Father so that we can see where we're going in our new grace sovereign country. Could it be any clearer? Our old way of life was nailed to the cross with Christ. A decisive end to that sin-miserable life. No longer it sins every beck and call. What we believe is this. If we get included in Christ's sin-conquering death, we also get included in his life-saving resurrection. We know that when Jesus was raised from the dead, it was a signal of the end of death as the end. Never again will death have the last word. When Jesus died, he took sin down with him. But alive, he brings God down to us. From now on, think of it this way. 
Sin speaks a dead language that means nothing to you. God speaks your mother tongue and you hang on every word. You are dead to sin and alive to God. That's what Jesus did. That means you must not give sin a vote in the way you conduct your lives. Don't give it the time of day. Don't even run little errands that are connected with the old way of life. Throw yourselves wholeheartedly and full time. Remember, you've been raised from the dead into God's ways of doing things. Sin can't tell you how to live. After all, you're not living under that old tyranny any longer. You're living in the freedom of God. Amen.